Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Wasn't there supposed to be a goalie competition? We'll talk about that when we return. Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco along with Chris Golick. I am at Tony Dasco. He is at TD Chris G. We are at Locked On VGK on Twitter. And don't forget Locked On VGK on our brand new YouTube channel. Make sure that you subscribe today. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every morning, each and every day. And you could find our podcast wherever you find your podcast. So, uh, Chris, I wanted to talk to you about you attended the game on Friday night. And uh, unfortunately, though, you know, I wasn't invited to Bill Foley's ranch this weekend for that little retreat with the team. I'm waiting for the invitation still. But uh, you were at the game on Friday night. Uh, VGK lost that game. Uh, They gave up seven goals. And uh, Aiden Hill... Uh, he in the Kings game, first of all, he gave up two goals on nine shots, right? If I'm correct, and then he struggled again on Friday night, seven goals on was it 39 shots? You were at the fortress, give us your evaluation. Um, not great, um, definitely not, not a great performance. The, the first goal really concerned me that he let up not on the shot from Carlson. It was a, a good pass from behind the net where Aiden Hill just, unless the puck hits him, he's not going to stop it. But the concern was him gloving the puck and playing it to the defenseman right away, who seemed kind of surprised to turn over behind the net. And next thing you know, the puck goes in. So hopefully that's something that can get ironed out between now and let's say um, about October the 11th or so. Uh, as far as a goaltender competition, no, at the moment, there's definitely not much of a competition. Uh, the, the game itself, there were some fun moments, but just strictly looking at the goaltending side of it, he did make a couple of saves. Like he wasn't maybe not as awful as the seven, the three score suggests, but it was, it was really bad. He did have some terrible luck in the third where a puck goes off the back of the glass, bounces off the top of the back of the nets. And then it hits his back and rolls in. You know, that just summarized the whole game. But a lot of goals that you're watching, like, man, you kind of want that one back. You kind of want that one back. Not not very memorable. Still a lot of fun to be back. Me and my son definitely loved being there. There was still a lot of energy, especially for a a Friday night preseason game. But there's a little bit of concern right now. Don't get get me wrong. Uh, Regarding Aiden Hill, of course, that is. So I, I'm concerned about his demeanor. You know, how, what was he like? Because I was watching the game. I was at the UNLV football game on Friday night and watching the game on TV there as well. But what's his demeanor like, you know, when he's letting up some some really bad goals? And not all of those goals were on him. There was some shoddy defense. I think Kessel, I think, had a turnover in front of the net. Or Yeah, but, but what's his demeanor like as he's letting up, you know, a ton of goals? And And could this slow start be the result of him still getting back into the flow following uh, an injury that he had, a lower body injury that he sustained. Only played 25 games last season uh, in in San Jose as a result of that injury. And that's the thing exactly. Um, 
He played one game. He played a game in January. I think that's when his injury happened. He missed basically all the way. I think it was March 22nd or something like that. He he shuts out the LA Kings, oddly enough, who are at the time in a big playoff chase. So that's certainly a big start. Doesn't play another game. And then all of a sudden, here we are in Las Vegas. So my perspective with Hill is I'm not overly concerned yet as far as how his output on the ice in the preseason goes. That's why it's preseason. His job is to simply get his uh, feet back under him, get his timing and his coordination back. And when you're uh, that tall of a fella out there, you know, there's a little more uh, needed in the coordination department when you, you know, when you're, what is he, 6'5", 6'6", just he's, he's, he's a beast. He's a beast. And then add a few inches for the skates and all the all the weights of the equipment and everything. It's certainly not an easy thing to do. So I'm, I'm going to give him a pass for now. Um, as far as the demeanor goes, you know, I mean, seven goals. I, I don't care if it's preseason, regular season. It's not going to be great, but nothing really stood out either. Like, I didn't feel like he was like, oh, what was me out there? I was surprised to see him come out in the third. I thought um, Cassidy might have, you know, non-verbally sent some type of message, said, hey, go out there and, you know, you finish the game that you started. And, you know, the two goals in the third, Phil Kessel, and, and that was concerning, folks. I don't know if... um if the cameras caught this at home, but when Phil Kessel had that turnover, I put this on our lockdown Twitter handle. Uh, he fell down right inside the blue line, turned the puck over. Someone scored. And that was that, but Kessel went immediately to the tunnel right after that. He went immediately oh down. No, and I thought he that. was hurt because he was pointing at his foot. He, he waved, I think it was Patera out of the way so we can get down the tunnel so we can, you know, whatever. But then he came back a couple minutes later. I don't know if he missed a shift more than a shift or two. So I can only assume it was something, uh, not necessarily a skate blade because a skate blade you can fix like that. You just put your foot up. The, the equipment person just does it and that's that. But something had to be up with the skates, maybe change skates or whatever it was. But thankfully it was not a, not a catastrophic, uh, non contact injury, if you will, in the preseason. Nothing that a little wine up at uh, Bill Foley's ranch, you know, couldn't solve. Did you see the birthday cake that got tweeted up? I did see the birthday cake. Where were they? Were they up at the ranch by then? I, I don't must, know. When I don't did they know. Leave to go to the ranch. I, I, I don't I, know where that was, but it had the hot dogs on it. That was pretty funny. <laughs> that was pretty funny, actually. That was really good. Uh, now, this does nothing uh, to help out, I believe, Logan Thompson, uh, because we thought that he would be pushed. We thought that there would be some sort of competition at the very least. You and I never wavered. We thought for sure that it would definitely be Logan Thompson's job to lose. Yeah, no doubt. But but he didn't put, you know, he's not getting pushed at all. Uh, is that of a concern? Because, you know, Logan Thompson's only played 20 games, right? Well, he, hopefully he's back in net, uh, you know, for the next next game. Because I think he just needs some more repetitions. Not very many more, but some. Uh, heading into the season, but without that lock, uh, lack of competition, I, that concerns me a little bit. It really does. It's fair, but I think uh, Logan Thompson's recent success is what matters, I think, in that department more than anything. I mean, crushed it before he, he made it to the AHL. No one knows anything about this guy when he comes to, to Las Vegas and plays for the Silver Knights. He's the best goalie in the AHL. Following season, he single-handedly helps get the Golden Knights within, you know, I think it was two points of the playoffs when the dust settled or something like that. So uh, Logan Thompson has succeeded at every challenge put in front of him. 
every single challenge put in front of him. I, I know I made the, the joke about him possibly being traded and I shout out to my friends behind us in section 217 and his family. We were gabbing about that, but you know, I I'm glad that didn't happen because gosh, could you imagine if, uh, you know, we were Aiden Hill and, you know, some other random goalie along those lines coming into the season with Robin Leonard out. Ooh, that would be a, that would be rough. So do I think Thompson needs the competition to be better? I honestly don't think he needs it, but it wouldn't hurt either. Pressure never hurts at this level. You always need to be looking over your shoulder as a starting goalie, unless you're Andre Vasilevsky or, you know, a couple other goalies in the NHL you always need to be looking over your shoulder because someone is looking to take that job. You look at what's happening over in Los Angeles between Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson. You know, not not the greatest example based on uh, Jonathan Quick's age, but, you know, Cal Peterson's knocking on the door and the only thing stopping him from getting 60 starts is Jonathan Quick. And Cal Peterson is probably the better of the two goalies, although huge uh, kudos to Jonathan Quick for uh, what he did at the end of last season. So who knows, I guess. Maybe that comment was absolutely... uh, Terrible now that I think about it. But still, who knows, folks? Goalies always got to be looking over their shoulder. Yeah. And uh, your guy, Michael Hutchinson, uh, was placed on waivers. And Yerry Patera goes back down to the AHL level. So where does that leave VGK for number two? I'm really starting to get concerned. Hill's you know, the only we, answer we don't know. right now. I mean, yeah. that's it. That's it. It's... Yeah, we don't know about. Laurent Brossois. Brossois. We're not sure. You almost got me to say it again. Now, Brossois, I don't think we're going to see him anytime soon. I think that's the reality. Um, Whether it's weeks, months, or the entire season, I don't know where we fit on that. But I feel like we're not going to see him at least a month, maybe more. And I don't think VGK wanted to go the first month or two of the season simply with Logan Thompson and then Patera behind because that's what it would have been, obviously, given – um, given the fact that Hutchinson obviously was put on waivers. So, and folks, that explains why Hutchinson kept the, 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 the Marley's mask right there. Cause he knew what was happening. He might get picked up somewhere else. He might not. We'll see how that, how that works out. But, you know, as far as the number two Hill, it's going to be Hill and Hill's got a couple days to work it out a little more than that. He'll have at least one, if not two more complete games. It'll probably go like Thompson Hill, Hill or Hill Thompson Hill, Maybe it goes Hill Thompson and then Hill and Thompson uh, chop up the last preseason game, something along those lines. But I do see Hill possibly getting more reps than Thompson down the stretch. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And uh, without a solid number two, what, what do you think Bruce Cassidy is working on up there at the ranch when he talks about goaltending with Aiden Hill? What do you think their major concern is with him? What do I think Cassidy's concern is with Hill? Well, and the coaching staff and Sean Burke, obviously. Fair enough. Uh, um, I think it's just finding, I mean, I have his stats up here. That's why I've been glancing away. So lifetime stats, he's been in the league since 1718, just 50, 49 games played, but he does have a save percentage over 90. You know, that's, that's something right there, I guess, just by itself. So he is a competent goalie when called upon. As far as what they're going to work on with him to get him back, I think it's just getting him in back in game shape. I think there is a lot to be said about a goalie that hasn't that's played one NHL games going back to March, having a very long off season, just joining VGK. You know, I mean, plenty of time before camp, but he still had some time. You know, where he was kind of in limbo, wondering where 
his next paycheck will be coming from or not, not, not so much that cause it was a trade, but you know, you got to, these goalies in the back of their head, they kind of know probably when something is up, when they, when they possibly could be on the move. Uh, VGK is looking for a diamond in the rough with him as far as his contract, as far as the fact that he's been in the league now for, you know, four or five complete seasons, he's only played 50 games. So he's averaging 10 or so games a season. So VGK is taking a shot and Cassidy, Burke, whoever else is going to be a part of that process are going to be working together, trying to find a way to make him now a competent backup. And this is assuming Brassois is out of the picture completely, all these statements that I'm making right now. They are going to find a way to get 25 starts out of him. Hopefully he goes about 500. Hopefully that save percentage stays north of 900. And we go from there. Or the other side of this is simply that Hill is a Band-Aid until Brassois comes back, but... That's an expensive band-aid. <laughs> That's an expensive band-aid if that was the case. Was he out of position most of the night from what I could tell? You know, is he seeing the puck, not seeing the puck? What's going on there between the pipes? Thinking back about the goals. So the first goal on him as far as the play he created, which led to basically a one-timer in front of the net that he had no chance to save. Another one, he just got beat low coming in from the side. It didn't look very good at all. Uh, just a lot of some rebounds in front of the net. Like there's just, it wasn't good. It was a combination of positioning. It was, I don't know if, I, I don't know much about his head game in the sense where there's some goalies. If you score on the first shot or if you score early, they're, they're toast the rest of the game. You know, there's other goalies where if you go by and you, uh, you know, you as much as brush them and have a little bit of contact, they absolutely flip out and you're in their head the rest of the game. So I don't know how strong he is to bounce back when, you know, he makes a big mistake early in a game, and maybe that's what caused it. I, I don't know, but there was some spots where it was out of position. A lot of, I, I guess um, I'll give myself credit for not making a Robin Letter comparison until 15 minutes into this, but there was a lot of the Robin Leonard slow-to-recover moments out there. Um, just, you know, the puck's on the left side, he's on the right side, kind of peeking over his shoulder and stuff like that. And again, I'm not knocking his physique, I'm not saying he's not quick as far as to react. I'm simply saying that he's a big goalie and needs to be able to make up for his lack of speed by getting more speed, if that makes sense. He needs to find a way to get left to right, right to left, and and track the pucks. He, he's not going to be out there reacting like Marc-Andre Fleury. He's not going to be – that. that's not the type of goalie he is. He's not going to be flopping around making these saves where it just looks spectacular because he's small. He's going to be boring. The puck is simply going to hit him a lot like Robin Leonard. And Leonard also can react when he's healthy as far as making the nice glove saves and just making some saves that do look really, really, really good. Hill has to find that. And right now it's not there. But again, we got eight days to go until the regular season starts or nine or 10 or seven, whatever it is at this point. I think a week from tomorrow against the Kings, if I'm not mistaken. So he's got at least one more start to figure it out. And I think he will get himself back in that spot. VGK can't afford for him not to, folks. Coming up next, the latest round of VGK Cuts. We'll talk about it when we return right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Our next partner has a product that I literally use each and every day. And we started to take uh, Athletic Greens because I didn't have time to eat in the morning, especially. I wanted uh, better gut health, more energy, um, optimize my immune system, all of that. Now it's been a few months since I started to take athletic greens and it's really super healthy. It has kind of this mild tropical taste to it. 
and I actually look forward to taking it each and every morning. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you to start your day off on the right foot. Um, And I've also sent it to family and friends, and they really do like it as well. It is lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat uh, the keto, the paleo, the vegan, the dairy-free or gluten-free, it really helps you a lot. Uh, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything, and it really does taste good. It costs less than $3 a day, and you are investing in your health. You're investing in your life. It's uh, cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's really good, and there's a ton of testimonials, over 7,000 uh, testimonials and five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes everywhere. And uh, right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with this convenient daily nutritional habit. Uh, Athletic Greens, it's uh, giving you uh, now currently free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your very first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. That's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and to pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick. That's a lot to talk about. First thing in the morning, I'll tell you, Mr. Golick. Uh, were there any surprises in the latest round of cuts for VGK um, on a Saturday they announced all the transactions. Um, does this mean that uh, Brendan Brisson did not get to go to Foley's Ranch since he got <laughs> cut? I don't know how that worked out. I'm not sure how how much that was the motivating factor for the players to make it past this round. Um, I think the surprise right now isn't necessarily who was sent down, but it's who is still there, and that's singly uh, Paul Cotter, of course. Um, Cotter is someone who I would simply put in the door fee of Quinny you know, kind of that world in the preseason. I thought Cotter would, you know, probably have a good camp, but I didn't think he was ready to take that step. And something happened. I don't know what he did in the offseason. A shout-out, he waved to my kid during pregame skate while he was on the bench all the way from across the ice. So shout-out to Paul Cotter for that. But, um, no, I, Paul Cotter, he's playing amazing. He had that awesome reverse hit, if you will, at the game on Friday night where someone, I mean, I thought Cotter was about to get absolutely crushed. And I think he knew the player was coming in there and he just exploded, put the player right on his backside. And then he gave the stare down afterwards. Then he gave the stare down afterwards. So that shows some of that, some of that Vegas, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A flair, if you will. Flair is a good word to use. Panache. 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 That's another good word to use. So the fact that Paul Cotter is still up there, that's the surprise. Um, just looking at it, highlighting a couple names. Brisson, I was, I'm, I guess he's going to need a little more time, and and that's okay. It's good not to rush him along. And I guess just looking at this as a whole, Brisson, Dorfia, Man, Man, uh, so on and so forth. This is a good line right here. Like the a, the Silver Knights are looking like a very good team, and there might still be some more reinforcements coming. But you know, Manon, Brisson. Those were two players that we talked a lot about in the offseason. I thought one of them could possibly crack the roster, mainly being Braswan. But also once Phil Kessel got signed, that pushed everyone down one notch. So 
you know, I think it's more about which one of these players will be the first one up at this point, or, um, you know, depending on how long Paul Cotter lasts in the camp, depending on where these players will be in the overall ranking as well. Yeah, I watched that uh, hit multiple times. That, that was, was fun. That was really fun. on uh, Nico Sturm. That's who it was. Nico Sturm, who goes about six uh, four. He's a really big potty, and he just gets walloped there uh, by Paul Cotter. Uh, a couple of guys that they, I think Cassidy even alluded to the fact that they weren't ready yet. Uh, Leighton Ahek and uh, Lucas Cormier, I think, are on that list, and. Uh, that's among the group that's going to Henderson. Uh, on the downside, these guys are getting cut. On the upside, that Silver Knights team, I think, is pretty much loaded. I think uh, today's their first day of practice, by the way, but I think they're going to have a really good squad this season. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I will, I might even wind up attending more Silver Knight games as a fan than Golden Knight games, um, besides the games we get to cover and stuff like that. So I'm certainly looking forward to being at the Dollar Loan Center, checking these games out. And, you know, let's see. I mean, hopefully this this team stays loaded. If the team isn't loaded, that means, uh, I guess, one of two things is happening. One, we have injuries. Or two, we're looking for some more future considerations. But, you know... Uh, yeah, I, I like the way this roster looks. Mainly, you want to see what Braswan and Manonen can do. And it's going to be a lot of fun checking out these games over there. It's going to be a lot of fun seeing what the future of the Golden Knights is going to be. You know, someone like Paul Cotter, you saw him play down a ton of games. Uh, Lecision, Ron Bjerg, and they're still contending for a roster spot now with the big clubs. So it's, uh, it's a fun time, and I'm kind of rambling here, but that's okay because we're eight days from hockey season. That's what got, That's what I'm excited for right now. Uh, VGK had 20 players suited up, and that's uh, the minimum that you, you can have on the ice there uh, for your team, pretty much. And then 25 is what uh, I think you could carry um, on, on your current roster, right? Uh, but uh, currently, so you have uh, Will Carrier, who's still out with an injury, and we still don't know about Nick Haig. So those two roster spots are being filled currently by is it uh by cotter and by jake lachison who would you say um i mean what uh korzak right the defenseman yeah caden korzak yeah yeah i mean that th- i those mean would yes be... yeah, he'll he'll replace right. uh, hey of course yes, yeah those would be the two and but then the two you know... last roster spots i would right exactly so yeah then you're probably looking at like your your daily scratches if you will like ron bjerg and lecision and you know, insert maybe another defenseman here or something like that. That's probably how that will work. Of course, the the salary cap roulette wheel will be spinning from day one, as it always is. Even if Nick Haig uh, does not resign, that doesn't mean there's still not going to be pinching pennies and things like that. So, you know, the little things you do now help help later as far as the salary cap goes. I don't know exactly how all that works, but I know it somehow all these weird things that happen do help along the way. The Shea, the- or, excuse me, the Shea Weber trade also plays into this too. So always a lot of moving pieces with that. And yeah, I mean, I'm curious, I guess, assuming Will Carrier cannot start the season, which is what it seems like. Week to week is a term not used lightly, and that's what Cassidy and the staff alluded to. So I don't know if week to week means this is the week we're not going to see him and next week we are going to see him. I-, I don't know. And furthermore, I mean, has Paul Cotter possibly played himself on onto the roster, even if Will Carrier is healthy? Could he possibly push Carrier or Colsar out of the lineup? That 
is probably my biggest question, assuming uh, Will Carrier is healthy coming out of camp. I mean, pardon me. You love what Carrier does on the ice. You love everything about him out there. Uh, Colasar, you know, uh, I'm going to go back to my favorite stat line. I mentioned this even when I'm ripping cards all the time and I pull a, I pull a Colasar rookie card or something like that. Colasar was top 10 in hits, top four in scoring amongst those in top 10 in hits. That's a tough player to push out of any lineup in, in the National Hockey League. Can Paul Cotter do that? I don't know if now is the time for that. And then I guess the next burning question maybe we'll, we'll hit once the camp, once the roster is finalized is does Paul Cotter benefit more from being on the NHL level and being scratched on an almost daily basis until his spot opens up, but still practicing with the big club versus getting the, the game, the game repetitions at the AHL level? I don't know. I was uh, laughing there when you mentioned Shea Weber's name because I saw a photo of a fan oh. that had a Weber jersey. <laughs> he was wearing. I saw that. He was wearing a Weber jersey, which I thought was really funny because uh, I'll never see the ice. Uh, Zach Dean and Jacob Burbanic uh, are headed back to their junior teams, and so man, it's uh, it's crazy now as they're trying to get down to that uh, final roster here with a week to go. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to talk and assess about um, how VGK is doing, where they're at through four games of the preseason. Back after this on Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. And uh, Chris, uh, we wanted to talk about, you know, our assessment of where VGK is at through four games of the preseason. Can't read into it too much. However, we have seen some things out there. Number one, obviously a major concern is goaltending. I think that that's at the top of the list. Um, I was wrong. I was wrong, and I admitted about uh, Jack Eichel and Phil Kessel together on the top line. I think that they have some chemistry. It's starting to brew, and we see what what Eichel looks comfortable out there. And um, Kessel could lead the league in assists if he just stays out there and keeps feeding uh, the puck to Jack Eichel. Um, Paul Cotter, the biggest surprise, I think, of the camp. Uh, and Mark Stone, did you get an opportunity to see Stone? And I'm just wondering where he's at. Uh, is he in hockey shape? You know, what's currently going on with him? Because he will be a major piece to this VGK team. I think Mark Stone is in hockey shape. I don't think he's in game shape. And that's not a, a knock on him whatsoever. He had... Um, you know, is having back issues. I guess that's the easiest way to explain that. And, you know, I'm sure nine out of uh, 10 of us listening experience some type of back issue. And now you, you know, combo that up with uh, being an, a National Hockey League player. And it, it, it's not fun. Does he look bad out there? I don't think he looks bad by any means. Does he look like Mark Stone three or four seasons ago? Certainly not. But again, like uh, Aiden Hill, I think uh, give that some time. And that should hopefully work itself out. Uh, yeah, Jack Eichel and Phil Kessel. On paper, I loved that. Uh, that was my kind of what you I was. You said that all along. For, I did. From the I, time I they did. made yeah, that acquisition. Oops, yeah, you know, speaking you of back get, issues, you get credit. You get a ton get of credit there. for that. Yeah, that's getting harder to get back there with the back issues. But anyway, um, well, now we got to fix the hat. There we go. Okay, good. <laughs> all right. Um, so yeah, I, I like watching those two out there. And just uh, another tweet that I put out uh, over the weekend from watching the game on Friday night. Our top six, when they wanted to, and I say that, I'll, I'll explain that comment in a second. When they wanted to dominate, they absolutely did. Uh, starting with Jack Eichel, he did it again. You know, it goes behind the net. 
goes to the blue line, goes behind the net, looks for someone, and he creates an opportunity. Uh, Tony, one thing you alluded to a lot was people not being able to kind of keep up with Jack Eichel's pace of play and finishing ability. I was concerned on the very opening uh, power play that the Golden Knights had. That felt like Eichel was not on the same page as everybody else. He made a, a couple real nice passes that just didn't connect, but I'm hoping that's simply something that needs to get worked out. So back to my comments about the top six dominating when we want to. The Vegas Golden Knights, folks, like it or not, are a veteran old team. Call it what it is. I don't know where they rank in the NHL, but I'm sure they're in the top half as far as age goes, if not in the top 10 now. So they don't need training camp. They do not need training camp. Any more reason than to simply go through the motions, get out there on the ice, you know, put the different jerseys on and just make sure they're working the little things out. The results of these games mean absolutely nothing. I'm sure Sharks fans are elated because they're either four and one or five and oh or something like that. So I'm, I'm sure there's another banner going up pretty soon up there in San Jose. And also, what's with Locked on San Jose throwing shade when I made I give them a compliment about their jerseys? But you're a bunch Please of clowns explain. up there. Please explain. Yeah. So, folks, me and my kid are right behind the net in warm ups. I liked the way the Sharks jerseys looked, okay, folks? They looked good. I liked them. I thought the teal on teal was a really nice look. I made a comment to Chris, my son, and he thought the same thing. So I tweet locked on San Jose Sharks. I say, hey, these jerseys, and I, I, I start off on popular opinion because I'm a Vegas Golden Knights truther, but I thought the Sharks jerseys looked good. And then instead of saying, oh, cool, that was nice, I get some comment about better than the mustard jerseys, you know, on the other side of ice, like, come on, just go. You guys can pound sand for all I care if you're gonna if you're gonna fling that crap my way when I give you a compliment the rest of the year. <laughs> but that said, now I did have a Sharks fan next to me. I forgot the gentleman's name. It was his thirty something birthday. They came down to Las Vegas. He was all nervous being a Sharks fan, and we were shooting the breeze the whole time. He probably had a few. I, I didn't because with, with my kid, but he had a few. But you know, we can get along. It's okay, Golden Knights and Sharks fans. We don't have to have all this hate and animosity as long as we're nice to each other. But when we are nice to each other and, you know, they, they get mad at you or they make a, a, a comment back after you're being nice, then, you know, whatever. I can say a couple other things to that. But back to my point, BGK is old. They don't need these games. They just need to get the timing back. I don't look at the Golden Knights as a team that are going to contend for the division this year. I don't think they're that type of team. Are they going to be somewhere comfortably in that second and third playoff spot and not have to even worry about not making the playoffs? I don't think that is going to be the case at all. But come playoff time, this is also the type of roster that can take it to a new level. I really think this team is built for a long playoff run. Goaltending is the asterisk, though. Goaltending is going to be the asterisk until we, Logan Thompson continues to prove us, prove to us that he's the man and that we have someone to help him because he can't play 65 games. I'm sure he thinks he can, but he 65 starts, that's going to be too many if that's what he needs. Come playoff time, that would put us in a rough spot. Trade deadline or bust for VGK. That's what they're going to have to do is just kind of hang on. You know, they tried to hang on last season to get healthy bodies back. Well, this year they're going to be hanging on until that NHL trade deadline to acquire an NHL caliber, playoff caliber goaltender, someone with experience. The they trade deadline is going to be fun, period, Tony. The trade deadline is going to be very interesting because we got the salary cap going up now uh, in basically every year for the next however many years until there's another CBA. So, and it's going to go up bigger. I know there's reports. Um, my dad pointed all this out to me not too long ago, but you know, the NHL is doing well financially. So they're, they're trying to excel the salary cap, cap increase, which means pe- teams are going to be a little more, uh, 
a little more splashy, if you will, come deadline time. Chicago, obviously, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, that's going to be the the number one and number two watch all season long. I think Kane gets moved. Taves just might want to retire a Blackhawk. He has that type of loyalty. And that's not a knock on Patrick Kane whatsoever. Just I think Kane and Taves are wired a, a bit differently. And I think Kane simply needs that competition for a Stanley Cup as he's getting in the, to the latter part of his career. There's going to be other players on teams that maybe don't do as well that are going to become sellers and things like that. And you never know what type of injury might present itself for the Vegas Golden Knights because you know if one of our you know, players that are 5 million or greater goes down. Oh, you know, something's going to happen, folks. You know, something is going to happen, whether it's a two or three or four or six team trade with uh, maybe they involve an ECHL for a trade to get them to eat some of a contract. You know, the Vegas Golden Knights, they will be wheeling and dealing. It reminds me, of, I'm from Chicago, a big uh, White Sox fan, uh, not a Cubs fan. Don't ever say I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a big White Sox fan. And we had Ken Williams. Remember Kenny Williams? Yeah, Kenny Williams. Yeah. He was he would just fire every single year. He was like he was like playing John Madden football, just making <laughs> trades all the time and free agents and you know Jim Tomei coming on and getting his two thousand strikeoffs. But he hit fifty home runs, so it's all good, right? <laughs> right. And I'm from the uh, the George Steinbrenner uh, from those roots uh, too. You, you were talking it. about the salary cap, okay? So this season it's eighty two and a half million. It goes up a million dollars next season to eighty three and a half million. In the twenty four twenty five season, eighty seven and a half million to that's huge right million. there. That's big right there. But then uh, the bigger jump would be twenty five twenty six. Uh, these NHL players will finally be able to afford a gallon of gasoline here in Las Vegas, <laughs> approximately ninety two million dollars. So that's going to help. It's going to come into play, um, and for a team that just spends money, that's a huge jump there. Uh, over the course of the next three, four seasons uh, to go up exponentially from 82 and a half to 10 million more uh, to 92 million. That's big, right? It's big. And of course, you know, if um, they could if afford to stay in play between now and then, he's going to have a blast, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> he will have a blast. Open checkbook. And Nick Haig, they might be able to afford to sign him by. The 25 season. Uh, oh, oh, what the Monday for, for Nick Haig for still not having a contract. He gets You're a blaming what the, Haig. Why he are you blaming him? No, you can't blame Nick Haig. I blame Nick Haig mil, if he wants... I blame man. Nick Haig if he wants more than Zach Whitecloud money. I blame Vegas Golden Knights if they won't pay him $2.5 million. You know what I mean? Like, if, if VGK is saying take $1.5 million and like it, then VGK is missing the boats. If Nick Haig is saying I want $3 million or greater then Nick Hague is the problem. And we don't know. I really haven't seen anything beyond the sides aren't close. I haven't seen any one of our um, our colleagues, if you will, now make comments about what the difference is in the money. But if Nick Hague is trying to get a penny more than what Zach Whitecloud's making, then that's a big problem, in my opinion. Okay, so you were up there in section 217. Row Q. Uh, so you've got that's a good view of everything that's happening. Oh, on the I ice. see everything. <laughs> yeah. So structurally, I wanted to ask you this question. Well, okay. Were there any noticeable differences in what they were doing structurally? I have no, I'm glad ask. you brought this up. I, I think I might have started to put this out. But I realized it was a tweet that was not going to be easy to explain. So under DeBoer and Gallant, the power play breakout was pretty much the same. 
a defenseman carries the puck to somewhere between the, the blue line and the red line. They either make an entry pass or most time, most of the time they drop the puck back to a forward that has a lot of speed coming out of the neutral zone. Now the attack is much different. All five players are rushing at once. It is a much faster breakout. I felt that the entries were not as, pardon me, the entries were not as smooth as they have been using that play where they dropped the puck back. Am I saying this is better or worse? Of course not. It's a new system, something I have not seen in five seasons as far as the way they bring it up. So I think the goal is to have more speed through the neutral zone and an extra option because when you have the player coming up, I'm sure there's a name for whatever this is called, by the way. So if if someone knows what the name of these particular breakouts are, please go ahead and tweet us and let us know. But when you have the player that drops the puck back to someone else who has speed, now you've taken that player out of the equation, at least temporarily coming into the zone. So maybe the advantage to whatever this system is where all five players are rushing in at the same time is you're trying to find a soft spot and it might just simply take one pass between our blue line and the red line to spring it on man rush. So pros and cons to everything that gets done. And I would be curious to go back and watch some tape of some old Bruce Cassidy uh, power plays with Boston and see if this is the same thing, if this is a Cassidy thing, or if this is Cassidy just, you know, shaking this up because he and the coaching staff thinks what this isn't what, what needs to be done. That's the only thing I really noticed differently about the structure. Uh, one, two, two. Did you see it materialize through the neutral zone? I mean, I don't know. When when you're giving up seven goals, it's kind of hard <laughs> to get into a flow of the game, so to speak. <laughs> right, um, right. I, I really didn't feel like – so thinking back now that you got me here, I'm glad you asked that question because there was a few times when San Jose executed a stretch pass from behind their blue line and sprung an odd man rush. So I thought the one, two, two, the point of this was to take less chances across the neutral zone. That's what Cassidy himself said to a degree. And I felt there were some soft spots basically for these, you know, 90 foot passes being executed flawlessly leading to either breakaways or rushes from the side. So that's a difference right there, I guess, but not a positive one, unfortunately. But again, it's, you know, there's three games left to training camp. I'm sure Cassidy uh, got the crack, you know, cracked the whip a little bit over the weekend, or he will once they get back from their little uh, their little siesta up at Foley's place. A lot of wine being passed around up there, and uh, VGK back on the ice. I think later this afternoon, uh, we'll see if that paid off to get a little rest and relaxation up there at Mister Foley's ranch. Uh, that'll do it for today's show. We thank you for making us your first listen each and every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things National Hockey League, and that happens all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. For my man, Chris Golick, I'm Tony Cardasco. So long from Las Vegas. We'll see you tomorrow right back here on Locked On Golden Knights.